Bonjour, everyone. Welcome to the episode Win or Learn. This is episode number 61. And I'm pretty excited to be talking about this topic because it's something that I kind of have mentioned in a roundabout way in a lot of my episodes. So I thought it'd be good to kind of package it up nice and tightly so that way you can perceive challenges in a different way and actually become a lot more successful with what you do if you put these things into practice. So it's going to be quite a practical podcast episode. So pretty excited for that. Now, as usual, I'm going to go into my week that was still in lockdown. Love that so much for us. To be dead honest with you all, I actually, I can't sit here and whinge or complain because my lockdown has not been that bad. I have, you know, spent the first few days just literally doing not much, which for me was fine because I had just come off the back of finishing my semester of uni and I, you know, was reaching a point where to be dead honest with you guys, I know I bang on about having, you know, a balanced life and everything, but by the end of it, there was little to no balance in my life. It was getting a little bit overwhelming, a little bit hectic, but I guess for me, because I could see an end date and that end date was pretty close. It was only like the last few weeks. It's, it's bearable. I think that when you don't have balance in your life and it's kind of a long, long-term thing, that's when it becomes an issue and that's when you can, you know, have burnout or become quite stressed or anxious and then you're going to get all these other problems that come from it. But because I could see that the end was just a few weeks away, I was kind of like, all right, let's just like knuckle down and get it done. So then the day after when the lockdown gets gets announced, I was kind of like, oh, I probably just need a rest. Like I kind of need a few days where I'm doing nothing. And that kind of just forced me to do that. So the first few days I was doing that. And then in typical, because I wasn't going to New Zealand in typical Alexis form by like the Wednesday, I'm like, right, I'm done. I'm done doing nothing. I need to kind of get in the zone. Cause I was just going on like really, really long walks and kind of just fucking around watching TV, which is great. Loved that. And I did genuinely get to enjoy it. But then by the Wednesday, I'm like, okay, less distractions I need. And I work from home anyway. So it really hasn't been as big a change for me as I can imagine it would be for some people. So yeah, that's that. Now, other than that, what else have I done this week? My interview with Mark Boris came out. Um, So I did share it on my stories. But if you guys would like to listen to it and haven't yet listened to it, um, it's just go on, just look up straight talk with Mark Boris Um, just on Apple or Spotify and you'll be able to find it there. So we had some really, really great chats all about kind of getting shit done, accountability, circuitry of the brain, um, my journey to where I was to get me to where I am today. So it was quite like a well-rounded chat, if you'd like to call it that. And then, um, so that came out on the first and then I also did an interview on another podcast. It's the Marina Perry podcast. So she's this awesome woman from Brisbane and she's quite an entrepreneur and she's also does a lot of coaching as well. And she's, yeah, absolutely very much on her wavelength on a lot of things. So we had some really good chats. So I'll let you guys know when that one comes out as well. Um, and I also, off the back of the um, podcast from last week about stuff to do in lockdown, I also started some other like, you know, little projects that I want to be working on and I thought I would share them with you guys. So the first one is um, to bring my fiddle leaf figs back to life. I kind of, I am aware, this lovely woman at Bunnings told me that fiddle leaf figs don't actually grow that much in winter. So um, I'm just trying not to overwater them because I think that's what I've been doing. 
Um, I only water them once a week, but anyway, whatever. I'm draining them better. I've, I think I've rectified that problem. So I'll keep you updated on the, you know, the health status of my figs. And I actually have names for them. We've got Kanafi, we've got Falafel, we've got um, Franck and Jacques. So those are the four figs, fiddle leaf figs. Anyway, I also want to practice French every day because I feel like I'm just, it's slipping away from me and I'm losing it and losing it. So I want to do, I'm listening to French podcasts and like doing some, you know, like activities and stuff. And I also want to learn how to do a handstand. So that's another big challenge that I'm setting myself. Um, what else? Oh, and then a big, big project for myself, which I have shared with you guys in the past, but now I'm definitely going to be doing is to get my merch up and running. So there's a few things that I want to get done with like, do you fucking mind quotes on it and like really cool shit like that. So I'm going to start working on that now pretty much. So I will keep you guys updated on how all that is going. So now on to our brain fact for the day. Today, I want to talk about a story that is shared. You pretty much learned this story in the first day of psych. So anyone who's a psych student, I am sure you've heard of this story. It's like a psychology anecdote, really. Um, but then you also reference back to it. Like you always kind of circle back to it, even in like the last semester of my master's, I heard this story being mentioned. So it's like quite a critical story. And it's about a man called Phineas Gage and an accident that he was involved in. Um, and I think it's really interesting. This is like back in the day. It's an old, 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 old story that happened. But it's interesting to show how much the front section of your brain just behind, just behind your forehead, um, how much that particular part of the brain, the the prefrontal cortex plays in formation of your personality. So this happened in like, I think it was 1848 or 1850, something like that. This guy was a railroad worker and he was working in basically like blowing rocks apart to make way for rail lines to go through or whatever. So he basically had to, I don't know the crazy details of it, but he had to pack like explosive powder into these sections of rock and you had to like pack it in tight and then that would then allow for it to like blow up the rock and make way for you know for them to move the rubble anyway so one day he's packing it with this like iron rod okay and that's what they did use to pack it and then because he's leaning over it he I think that someone was talking to him whatever he turns his head but he's leaning over it and in that moment the rod like sparked against something which I don't know why they didn't use like wood or something I don't know anyway but he's packing it it's it sparks the explosives go off and the rod enters under his jawbone kind of like that you know just kind of imagine if your mouth is open it goes under the jawbone goes behind his eyeball and then like blasts out through the top of his head anyway it sounds really really graphic highly recommend you google images and you can actually see legit photos of this guy's skull but what it did is it destroyed like a huge section of brain in the prefrontal cortex and the guy amazingly survived and healed and he seemed like pretty normal like he regained all his like normal functions when he you know came to and recovered and like which is I mean, i'm pretty sure he lost he lost that eye but he had vision in the other eye and he was able to you know just you know he looked and appeared normal his movements were there everything was fine he could talk but what changed was his personality massively changed and they found that he didn't really have inhibitions he didn't have the ability to predict consequences for his actions so he became like a gambler was losing all his money he was a lot more erratic with his personality and wasn't as 
you know, patient or friendly or understanding. And they realized in at, in like the mid 1800s that obviously the damage that was done to that part of the brain was the part of the brain that not only heavily, you know, accounts for your personality, but also accounts for, you know, inhibitions and, you know, predicting if I do this, this will be the outcome. Um, and so since then, a lot of people that have, you know, heavy impact to the front of their head or, um, you know, any lesions in that section of the brain, are po- it's possible, it's likely that they will then have, you know, some sort of deficit within their personality or a change, a, you know, a marked change in their personality. So I don't know why. I just thought I'd share that story with you guys. I thought it was really, really interesting. One thing that they did notice is that as the years went on, he did recover some of his personality traits he wasn't as intense or aggressive or as volatile as soon after the accident happened so obviously it shows that there is some recovery going on he never recovered to the full extent and he didn't even live that long the poor guy but he as he did go on um there was some recovery there which is really interesting to show that even in you know like full-grown adults there can be a lot of um you know healing that can be done in the brain and also, you know, different areas of the brain will try their very best to take over the role of areas that have been damaged or, you know, lesioned in the brain. Um, And it's kind of interesting because like the older you get, the harder it is to have that neuroplastic change in your brain. You know, like if you were a grown adult and you were to have um, a procedure called a hemispherectomy, which is where one half, one hemisphere of the brain is either removed or kind of detached from the rest of the brain or kind of like disabled essentially. Um, if that were to happen as a grown adult, and it's a very rare procedure, um, you would be very, very, you'd have a, you'd be very disabled. There'd be a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to do and you might never um, be able to recover from something like that. Whereas if you're a very, very, very young child or a baby and that ha- procedure must happen, and this can happen with like really severe, severe um, seizures and things like that where where the child isn't able to function whatsoever. So they do that, again, very rare. That child can grow up to have very, very, very minor deficits in their you know, behavior or in the way that they function because the other hemisphere has pretty much tried to take over the role of that side of the brain. So it just shows you how if it's a young brain, there's quite a lot of plasticity and quite a lot of opportunity for remolding and rewiring. Um, It can always happen in life, but the younger the brain is, the more moldable it's going to be. Yeah. So interesting fact, Phineas Gage, if you're a psych student, you're probably like, here she fucking goes again talking about Phineas Gage. I've heard it a million times. But if you're not, I think that's a really, really cool story. And if you want to look it up, just Google Phineas Gage skull and you see all these like really cool images of how like the the rod would have impaled the brain and it shows like how pretty remarkable it is that he even survived that like I think that's pretty like pretty amazing anyway let's get into the topic of today now this episode is aimed to cover how to change how you look at things all right so that's you know it's called um win or learn essentially so you guys all know me and I've banged on about this for a very long time that I'm not all about positive affirmations positive affirmations definitely have a place 100% but it's not good enough to just say oh think positive thoughts because we all know that we've been there and it might work in the instant but in the long term it doesn't work unless you're coupling that with actionable steps so I'm all about actionable steps that anybody can take that will start to reshape your patterns in your thoughts and your beliefs, okay? So for me, I'm never going to stand here and say, just think positive thoughts, 
you know, think of a quote and just say it every single day because I genuinely believe that is not enough. That is part of the bigger picture. And positive affirmations have a place in the sense that when you can get to that point where you're already starting to feel a bit better about yourself, having these positive things to say about yourself and about your abilities and about the world around you are definitely going to be there to help kind of surround yourself with and to, you know, create kind of like a a safety net for you where most of your thoughts are going to be primarily positive, um, proactive thoughts. That's where I think they play a really good role. But I do not believe that you just sitting there saying happy thoughts is going to change much in your life unless you take these steps. And I think that a lot of what's out there is kind of like, be this or do that. It's like, that's all well and good, but break it down, can't into steps so everybody can do it. Because there's a lot of people that it's taken them, you know, the really, 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 really long way to get there, or they just happen to be that way in the first place. And then they go on and share all this information of like, just do this without giving people kind of actionable steps that they can take. So I'm hoping that I can, not just in today's episode, but in general, I'm my aim is to give you some sort of actionable steps. I might not be able to do it with everything because a lot of things are based on your own experiences and having to go through that learning curve, which I would never want to take away from anyone. But what I don't like to see is when someone has to go through this quote unquote learning curve, but they're not actually learning and they're just repeating history again and again and again. And they're just not seeing why this shit keeps happening to them. Okay. So that's pretty much what I want to be covering today with this topic of win or learn. And something that I truly believe in is that whole concept of if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. They actually do. And it's in a way it is because you're perceiving them differently, but in another way it's because you yourself and the energy that you put out has changed. So the way other people and the way situations in your life respond to this new energy that you put out, they're responding differently to versus your old energy, if that makes sense. So if you're looking at things in kind of like, I'm always going to fail, this is always going to go wrong, everyone else has the blame, I don't have to take ownership, then the result you get from that, I can guarantee you is going to be not great and the opportunities will be limited. Not only will you not see the opportunities, but often the opportunities won't be there because people don't want to interact with somebody who's not proactive, okay? So if you then have an outlook of like, all right, that didn't go to plan. However, I can take this from it. I can take that from it. Maybe I can like bring that and edit that and change it. And maybe I don't repeat that pattern again, but maybe I do that again. That kind of mentality and that kind of energy, people respond well to. So if you change the way you look at things, people will respond better to you and opportunities will be more abundant. That's just the way it is. So not only will you actually feel better by changing the way you look at things and being able to take situations as lessons or to learn where you can edit or change your behavior, but literally things will actually start going better for you. So it's a, it's a twofold victory for you there. So when something goes wrong for you, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something that you tr- you set out to do like an audition or an interview or a trial and it didn't happen, whether it's, you know, a side hustle that you've really tried to make your new career and it's not worked out or anything in your life, any kind of relationship, any situation, you've moved places and it's, you know, not worked the way you thought it would. 
Um, you planned for something and it got shut down like because of COVID or because of another situation in your life that hasn't allowed for it to happen. So just I'm sure you guys have experienced some sort of setback or letdown. I want you to realize that there's always several ways to perceive what has happened, okay? And one of the ways is to really in the moment crack it open and be like, all right, this is what's happened. What can I do about it? What can't I do about it? Bang, 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 bang. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. But the alternative, which is what a lot of people do, is that that it will happen and then they'll be like, oh, fuck, it's again. Like everything always happens to me. Or they'll make statements like if it's going to happen to anyone, it will happen to me. Or oh, why did I even bother? I knew that like this, you know, it was too big a risk. I took a risk and it failed or I shouldn't have done that. I should have prepared more. I feel like I didn't deserve that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or like that was so unfair that it happened. Why did this happen? You know, so one of the worst positions to get yourself into, even if it's true, is the position of that was so unfair, that was so unfair. Because it puts you in a position of total powerlessness. If you're thinking that something was unfair, you're thinking I am absolutely a victim in this situation and I'm going to continue to then be the victim in this situation, even if it was unfair. The point is that when something happens to you that's unfair, the responsibility to now change your reality is on you. It's not on the person that that wronged you or the person that hurt you or the person that fired you. Unfortunately, You are the only one that is now responsible for what's going to happen from this moment onwards, okay? So you might have been a victim to the situation. You might have had everything bad happen to you. You might have been in a situation where someone fucked you over. However, from the moment it's over and the moment you realize this has been done to me, this is unfair, if you then choose to stay thinking this is unfair, this is unfair, this is unfair, you are now putting yourself in a position where you are choosing to suffer. There is a difference between pain and suffering. Pain is the initial realization that something has happened. Pain is grief. Pain is loss, okay? But when something occurs to you and you've understood that it was unfair, but you choose to then stay in that mindset of this is unfair, this is unfair, you are now suffering, okay? And so you have to create a divide between those two things in life because pain is is inevitable, But suffering isn't. And I feel that identifying with being the victim can cause you more long-term pain in your life or suffering, I should say, than in the moment doing the hard work and changing the situation because you are responsible for your own feelings. And I've said this before, but you are truly in every situation in your life the one that is responsible for your feelings. You are responsible for your happiness. You are responsible for your drive. You are responsible for, you know, getting up every day and doing something about your current life situation and where you want to be in your life. If someone has broken up with you, you are now responsible for your feelings. And even before they broke up with you, you were still responsible for your feelings. When it comes to emotions, I know it's hard to to see it, especially in a romantic relationship, because ideally when you're in a romantic relationship, you should be giving to your partner. And that's how, that, that's how romantic relationships succeed when both parties are giving. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that at the end of the day, nobody, it is nobody's job 
to make you happy. It is nobody's job to heal you. That is your job. And when you get to that realization that you can't put that responsibility on anybody but yourself, then you can start to make way for some serious changes in your life, okay? And that includes the whole playing the victim. Having been a victim in a situation is a, is a thing and that can happen, but it doesn't mean you need to bang on that same drum about being a victim for the rest of your life because now you are the one suffering, okay? Now you are the one that's going to miss out and lose out in life and in opportunities if you choose to keep identifying with being the victim in a situation. Now, the reason we identify with being the victim so often in our lives is because people like to put labels and form an identity around something. Even if something is painful, often people will like to be like, that's me because it helps form. It's like their their ego. It helps form who they are. It is part of their journey, what they went through, their identity. And although it's painful, they know it really well. You know it so well that it's easy to think those thoughts, is easy to identify. It's weirdly and very unfortunately comforting. Painful, but comforting, okay? And it also is safe because from that position, you think, well, I can't go out and do that because I've been wronged. I can't go out and do that because I'm the victim in this situation. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Here are all these reasons where I'm not putting myself myself out there and being super vulnerable because I am the victim. And then to turn it around from there gets harder and harder and harder as you go on through life because you are cementing those pathways in your life. You're cementing those pathways in your brain of thinking, this is who I am. I have been wronged. I can't now do this because it's not in me because I refuse to go through that again. I refuse. A a prime example of that is when people are scorned after being hurt by somebody romantically. You know, heartbreak can be one of the most painful things that people can go through because it's, you know, heartbreak and it's also a, a, a form of loss in your life. And when you go through that kind of pain, it's easy to say, I absolutely never want to go through that again, ever. So my way of dealing with that is to get super protective, put all these walls up, be super scorned, and then you miss out. You're the one who suffers and you're the one who misses out on the opportunity of having these great relationships in the future, which is, of course, very different to someone who's like, I actually genuinely love being single and I just don't want a relationship. It's very different. But if you're somebody that, you know, is in a position of like deep down, they would like a partner, but I'm just too hurt to do it. And then the problem is when these people do then get into the next relationship, not always, but often they'll carry on this thing of like, oh, I've been hurt. So If I'm not trustworthy, that's why. If I'm not this, that's why. They make up all these excuses for their like shitty behavior in their relationship or why they're not opening up to this poor, innocent person who's your new partner who has no ownership for what was done to you in the past and has no ownership for how you're going to perceive things in your life and how you're going to, you know, tackle problems moving forward. And that's what ends up being like a huge problem in a lot of relationships and ultimately what can tear down a lot of your future relationships as well. So what we want to be doing is we want to look at something that's gone bad for us, take what we can from it, leave the rest behind and start fresh with the knowledge that you've got, with this new opportunity. The way I look at it is that so much bad can happen, but when you lose something or when a relationship breaks down or when you lose a job, that is the end of a potential life path that you had. But it's the opening for way more 
other potential life situations that could now be in your future, you know. So you had this one potential thing that you were going for and that crumbles and falls apart and now you have all these options open to you. might not feel like it at the time because you're grieving your old life but it really is just this like rich field of opportunity for you and if you look at it that way, you get over things so much faster, okay. Another thing that is really detrimental for you is don't compare your journey and how you're getting over something or how hard something hit you to someone else's, you know, say you're going through a breakup at the same time as, you know, a a friend of yours. And that friend then is able to either get over it really quickly or fall in love again really quickly, or just become like a slaying, you know, someone who's slaying single really well straight after they bounce back. You know, if you start comparing yourself to how that person's gone through their journey and how you've gone through your journey, then you're going to start creating all these reasons outside of you that are not in your control that account for why that person has done so well and why you haven't. Like, oh, she always gets, you know, the attention from men or maybe she wasn't even that hurt by the breakup or she wasn't really that in love with him or, you know, there's so many different things. But the problem with doing that is that you then aren't, looking at your situation and doing anything to change it. You're putting your energy in comparing your situation to someone else's. And then again, that reinforces I am now the victim. So when something bad happens to you, not only are we going to crack it open and do everything that I'm about to talk about in a sec, but you also need to, whenever possible, not compare your situation to anyone else's situation around you because it's not possible. There is nobody in this world that has had the same trajectory as you have, that's had the same upbringing and the same experiences that have caused you to perceive challenges the way you perceive them. Everybody is different and everybody's journey and situation is different. It's also not good to look at someone and say, well, as long as they're suffering, then, you know, it makes my suffering okay. That's not good either. You just have to look at your situation and your journey as an independent thing. You don't compare it to your best friend's journey or your sister's journey or your brother's, whatever. That's just going to slow down the process for you. I can guarantee you that whether they're doing worse off than you or whether they're doing better than you, that slows down the process because the mechanisms behind comparing and comparison and jealousy are flawed and they're going to end in, you know, resentment or feeling insecure within yourself or, you know, just ultimately feeling like the victim at the end of the day. Okay, so now I've spoken about all the bad that can come from not doing something about it. So how can we change certain things? How can we take a roadblock or a letdown or a challenge or something that went, that didn't happen for us, a lost opportunity or a failure, quote unquote failure, because the only really thing I ever call a failure is failure to take action, but something that didn't work out. How do we grab that and then turn it around and make it an opportunity, make it a learning opportunity and make it something that in a very short time you're able to almost use that to help you propel you further forward and faster than the last time okay so I've broken it down in kind of like six steps so step number one start by looking at your past let's take you know relationships or career whatever it is I want you to pause right now and Think of all the significant things in your life that didn't go well, like things that you really cared about that didn't go well. Often one that springs to most people's minds are relationships, but it could also be career or whatever. So kind of put that down 
and open it up and have a look at it. Because if you start to break down these things that have happened in your life, you're going to start to notice some sort of patterns in your career or in how you used to go for a goal and see where, if there, if the, those things were to happen again, where you could put something into action or where you could have taken less action or where you could have walked away sooner. So let's take a toxic relationship, for example. Let's say that you dated somebody who's toxic and you've happened to date toxic people in a row. I never think that anybody is to blame for having a toxic partner. It's that person's fault. A toxic person, it's completely on them. But there are things that you can now take from your past and apply it into your future so it now becomes a lesson and not some sort of waste of time tragedy, okay? So in this scenario of a toxic situation, something that you could now learn from that is, I've learned how to read people better. I, what I would do differently, I would have left earlier. I would have been less patient. I wouldn't have lost so much of myself. I would have, you know, had my back more or in future, I'm going to know when to have my back. I'm going to know when to walk away. So there's a lot of things like when I look back at my past relationships that didn't work well, there are some that were so many red flags and others not so much, but I was able to take a lot from it. And one thing that I truly gained by being in toxic relationships is this amazing ability to now spot these red flags coming a mile away and knowing what to do about it because I've kind of been there before and I've kind of done my work around it and I've you know really paused and stopped and looked at it the problem if you find yourself that you're always falling into these toxic relationships it might just be something so simple as you've not paused to look at a pattern of how what what you can do to change your behavior around people like that so you don't have to be put in that situation again or so you don't have to suffer in these relationships for longer so you don't have to be in a situation hoping that things will change when in reality there is no hope and you're going to cut the dead weight and you're going to move on to a better life so that's what I mean about having ownership and having power over things that happened to you in the past it's not taking the blame it's saying maybe if this were to happen again there is something I could do about it even if I was not the instigator of the negative experiences or or the, or the toxicity within the relationship okay now let's say it was you know a a, a job um interview okay and you seem to get all the way to the top and then when it comes to the interview, you just never seem to get the job, okay? And you look at it as like, oh my God, I'm such a failure at interviews, I'm such this, I'm such that. The problem is that when you start telling yourself I'm such a failure at interviews, you're going to kind of preempt that to happen the next time around. So it's almost this vicious cycle that the more you, you experience these things, the more likely it is to happen because you're almost expecting it to go wrong for you. So what I want you to do in those situations is, you know, crack it wide open and just be like, okay, was I actually having a good conversation with this person? Was I truly being myself or was I telling those people what I thought they wanted to hear? Because obviously if you're getting to the point of an interview, you're pretty much halfway there because your CV has a lot to say. So sometimes there are certain things that you can do and change to help you get the job. And I'm going to kind of talk about that in a little bit later on when it comes to auditions and jobs and putting yourself out there. Okay. But I'll touch on that okay so number one you want to start by looking at your past you want to start to see can I look at any patterns and if there aren't patterns can I look at certain behaviors that I could have done or not done could I have tapped out earlier where is the control or power that I could have taken back in those opportunities or in those situations okay number two 
after these things have broken down, I want you to look at what good has come from the different avenue that it made you take. Because every time you don't get something in your life or every time something falls apart, you take another avenue, even if it's by default, even if it's not by choice, you obviously, if you're still alive, you've gone down another avenue, okay? I want you to now look at that new avenue that you went down that you probably didn't want and you probably didn't expect or didn't even predict. And I want you to now pick out at least five good things that came of it that you wouldn't have had had the original plan gone down how you wanted it to go down, okay? So I want you to look at particular things that you're like, all right, I can look at this right now and be like, I would have never made that friend. I would have never met that person. I would have probably never chosen to study this now. I would have never been living in this situation. And because I live here, I now met, you know, my best friend because they are my neighbor. You know, it could be anything. It could be because of this, I actually got inspired to learn this language. And now I'm doing a career that, that, is all around that, you know. So I want you to start looking at big things in your life that went the way that you didn't plan and you were sad about it, things that like that for you, you consider to be like a heartbreak or a speed bump or a letdown. And I want you to pick out as many good things, at least five, that came from it that you would not have gotten had you stuck to the original plan and had the original plan worked out, okay? Because that's going to help you if you do this exercise, you're going to be able to bounce back way faster um, next time you come across a hurdle or next time you feel like you've been let down or didn't get what you want, okay? Now, number three, I want you to look at your following goals. What do you have on the horizon that you're working on? Is it that you want to get into a relationship? Are you trying to go out on your own and work for yourself? Are you trying to create your own business or are you trying to, you know, start up something completely new and different? Are you wanting to move to a different city or country? Okay. Now, what are you going to do differently to what you've done in the past? What is a behavioral trait that you think would benefit you greatly? to put into play that you didn't do in the past, okay? Because we've done step one, we've cracked it open, we've seen, okay, I could have done that, I could have done that. Now what in the next phase of your life, what's happening from here onwards, what could you do differently? One thing that I think is a really good thing, and and you can kind of revert back to old podcasts, but it's knowing when to quit when something's not working for you and and diverting. And I'm not saying quit your, your, your bigger picture goal, but when there's a big goal in place, I always say that it's good to look at that bigger picture, but then bring it straight back down and work on the smaller scale things, okay? Because sometimes if we look at the bigger picture thing way too often, way too often, then the little things kind of annoy us and they're not that exciting and they're not that thrilling. You want to find like all the little goals and all the little things that are exciting in the day-to-day, in the moment that keep you driven towards that bigger picture. But the beauty of doing that as well is that you then start to realize that there's many different ways of having the life that you want to have. And so knowing when to quit something that's just not working for you or that doesn't make you happy anymore is one of the best tools you can put into practice because you then just divert and try something slightly different. So the end goal may be the same, but it's this divert, 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 and it's this tactical knowing when is the right time to quit. And if you think that I'm If you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back to the podcast called Knowing When to Quit. And that basically um, sums up what I'm talking about here. But often things don't go well in our life because we kind of were like flogging a dead horse that wasn't working out anymore. And we were kind of living in the past, reliving the honeymoon period when it wasn't good for the last two years, but we were looking back the last five years, you know. So 
what you need to do is be, get really clear and real on the, on the picture that you're living in today. Is this working for me? Is there something I can change now? Do I have to wait for it to b- fall apart and not work out for me to make some changes? What are changes that I can put into place now or in my goals that are coming up in the next six months or in the next 12 months? So separate to that and still as part of that look at your following goals, step three, is look at how to potentially change what it is that you're aiming for. The, and that doesn't mean to change your goals and it doesn't mean to lower your standards. It's, it's actually the opposite. So you can still have that the same end goal. But instead of uh, – the problem is that a lot of the time our goals, the, the ultimate end goal is tied to a lot of things that we are not in control of. But then we attach our sense of self and our identity to that end goal that when it doesn't work out, we beat down on ourselves so much because we had attached so much expectation to that end goal. The problem is that there are so many moving parts to that end goal. Let's say it's acting and it's an audition. You need to first have a role that comes up for you that's right. You need to have a cast that you click in well with so you get cast for that role. You need to have all the skills and be ready when the audition comes. There's so much shit going on that's got nothing to do with your skill as an actor that have to come into play before you can even get there. And that happens with so many other career parts, okay? So the idea is to have the big goal, but then focus on what it is that you can action and what you are in control of. And that is where most people drop off, okay? The idea, that vision board, that's all exciting. I I personally do vision board and I think it's a phenomenal tool, but it's not what's going to get you there. It's what helps you kind of stay kind of on track. But what you need to be actioning is those daily tasks, those mundane day in, day out daily tasks. And then when you start doing that, it's like, what, cunt? Do I really need to do that every single day? And what if I don't see results in a while? Then that's where most people will stop. And the reason for stopping was like, oh, time. I didn't have the time. Or I realized it was too hard. It was too competitive. Or someone else is doing it better. Or nobody was responding to my work. Or, you know, I feel like my work isn't perfect and until it's perfect, I can't put it out there. All these excuses under the sun. So what I recommend you do is you change where your motivation is coming from. And I highly, if you haven't already done it, I highly recommend you listen to the podcast with my sister called What It Takes. Um, And basically we talk about the difference between intrinsic or she brings up the topic of intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is being motivated by the things that you have power over. So how do you nail the work that you're putting out there? How do you, how can you be more consistent? So every time you put work out there, it is consistent and of the same standard. All of that stuff you have control over. Like for me, I can control how often I put my work out there and how good it is and if I can keep it at the same standard as what I've done before or can I better it? What I can't control is how many downloads I get, how many people are going to be listening, okay? I can't control that. I have a good idea of what I can do and what my audience likes and I use that to my advantage and I try and tap into that and give my audience what they want. But ultimately, I have no control over how many people are going to listen to my podcast. So my goal can be to be one of the top podcasts in Australia. That can be the ultimate goal, but my the, the smaller goals that I'm focusing on are only the things that I have control over, which is consistent hard work and putting out content that my audience will respond well to. And then looking back at the episodes that responded that they responded well to and focusing on those topics and expanding on those topics. That's what I can control. So when you look at your career, instead of thinking, I want that as a goal and that's my goal and that's my goal, stop. Just stop. Look at the goal and then be like, what in that major goal 
do I have control over and how can I work hard and consistently at those few aspects that I can control? All the rest is not in your control. And the beauty of it is that when it doesn't work out, you can be like, right, did it work out because of something that's not in my control? Or did it not work out because of something that is in my control that I can now work harder on for next time? Okay. Now, number four, learn how to turn a situation around quickly. Okay. Here is the key. Learn how to turn it around as fast as possible. Yes, fine. It's okay to have the meltdown. It's okay to say, I'm going to give myself an hour to cry or a week to cry. That's all well and good if you want to do that. Okay. Do you, do you. But always remember, like attracts like, and the brain likes to think like thoughts. Always remember that. So if you're there spiraling and wallowing and say, I'm giving myself this time to be sad, do, do it if you want, but know that it's going to, the longer you stay in that spiral, the longer it's going to take for you to get out of it because you then have to go down that hill and then climb back up that hill. Okay. So I'm not expecting you to be thrilled that it didn't work out, obviously, but what I would recommend you do is when something doesn't go to plan, when something hurts, when all this shit falls apart, I want you to reach for the most neutral thought you can think of in that moment. For example, it is what it is. That's a perfect one. Or this opportunity is going to come up many times in my life. Or there's a lot that I can change and there's a lot that I can't and I'm just going to focus on what I can change. Or there's going to be so many other opportunities now available for me, it's up to me to find them. Okay. So there's a lot of neutral things. You don't have to instantly be like, I'm a magnet to all the best jobs in the world. I get, I get offered all these best jobs and try and have these affirmations that in the moment don't sound realistic to you. Okay. So what I recommend you do when shit hits the fan, try your best to in that moment, be as present as possible and just reach for the most neutral, unemotional thought you can, okay? Because as it is, you're, you're going to be sad about it. You're going to be hurt. Those thoughts are going to naturally arise. So you don't need to give your brain a helping hand to wallow and make it even worse than what it is, okay? Because your brain's pretty fucking good at doing that already. So what I recommend you do is just sit with your feelings and while you're there, start to reach for some neutral thoughts. Neutralize, neutralize, neutralize. Remove the attachment to yourself. You know, this is a situation independent in and of itself. It doesn't represent me, now what do I have the what do I have the power to do about it and where don't I have the power? Which kind of leads into step five, which is quickly break apart what was and what was not in your control. Okay? So when something bad happens in that moment, be like, all right, this was, this wasn't, whatever wasn't in your control, let it go. Let it go. Don't attach yourself to it. It's done. Now what was in your control, take back the power. Don't blame. Just take back the power. Being like, I'm not going to sit here and go round and round in circles being like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that because maybe you shouldn't have done it. Maybe you were a shit person. Maybe you did all this wrong, but what's done is done. Okay. So now you have an opportunity to draw the line and level up and change your behaviors. And if it wasn't something that you have to blame yourself for, you can now still draw that line in the sand and be like, next time, knowing what I know now, I can approach it differently including heartbreaks, okay? Because when you go through your first real heartbreak, if you can sit there and look at the whole thing and learn how to truly heal from that heartbreak, 
No matter who you love again, it will never be as painful because you now have tools that you learned the first time around, okay? If you didn't learn it the first time around and you were just bandaging it up, putting Band-Aid, 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 then it probably is going to hurt just as much every time after, okay? So it's always this idea of when, it, when shit hits the fan, you pause and you look at what has happened. You look at what you can control, you look at what you can't control, and then you remove the blame and you do something about it next time. And then the last one, number six, is release attachment to the outcome. When you let it go, your energy is calm and present. If you want something so bad, when we're too attached to something, your energy and your work isn't crisp anymore. It's not pure. It's not this like free flowing in the zone kind of, you know, energy that you're throwing out there. You know, it's, it's, it's nervous energy where you might not even be executing things properly because you want it so bad. It's, kind of counterintuitive when you have a desire in your life that you want so badly, you then start to focus on how bad it would be if you didn't get it. So it almost, when the moment it becomes a need, that's when you you start sabotaging your opportunity of getting it. You never want to need it because if you need it, you're then focusing on the lack of not having it. If you just want it and you're just being like, I'm going to bring this into my life and it's just going to happen I'm just going to keep working towards it and I'm going to hold that vision in my mind and do the groundwork, then it happens, okay? You release this attachment. You're more present in the moment. But if you have this, I have to have it, I have to have it, I have to have it, you've got this needy energy. And that, that's the same in people, you know? You have to be the same level of energy of what you're trying to attain in your life. If someone's sucking up to you, it's not... like they're being so nice, they're doing everything for you, but you feel we're not on the same level. You're just annoying now. Do you know what I mean? You've got to, and that's how people perceive you. If you're too needy for something or for an opportunity, that energy repels, okay? So what you want to do is you want to know what you want and then release your attachment to it. The less you need it, the more likely it is going to happen for you, weirdly enough, okay? So let's take, you know, interviews. So often like it's the chilled ones who don't have to have it that get the job or get the audition because they bring this calm, great energy. And what happens when you're calm and present with that energy is that it allows you to have this great improvisational flow with the person that's interviewing you or with the director, with whoever you're interacting with, you know, and that creates this organic kind of conversation or encounter with the other person and humans respond to energy. So how do you release attachment? You just have to know that it's not the only thing out there for you, that there are so many avenues that you get to experience and so many opportunities that you might not yet have discovered for yourself that are right there on the horizon if this thing doesn't work out. So you kind of just want to look at it as I'm extremely resourceful. Everything's going to work out anyway because I am so resourceful that it would be nice to have this. But I know that if this doesn't work out, it's going to be a great lesson for the next thing that's on the horizon that's probably just as good or possibly better. Okay, that's how you want to look at it. And that helps you like calm down that crazy needy energy and just like simmer it down so you can be more present and more in the moment. And there are going to be so many avenues to get you to where you want to be. 
You just have to focus on those small tasks to get you there. But the bigger picture can come in so many forms that you're going to be so pleasantly surprised if you put all these kind of steps or points into action. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that was helpful. I hope there were some actionable steps in there that you yourself can take and that you can, you know, turn yourself into one of those people that's, it's either a win or a lesson learnt. And um, yeah, and you'll start to see that doors are going to open at a much more rapid pace than they have in the past for you because of that different energy that you're putting out there and because of your ownership on what you can do about the things that come your way. Guys, I love you so much. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing and talking about my podcast to other people because my podcast is where it is today because of my audience and how you guys have shared it for me and it's all word of mouth, so I appreciate you. And I love my bins so, so, so much. Uh, I've got a few exciting things on the horizon. Hopefully in the next week or two I can share it. But until then, I will keep my mouth shut because I just want to make sure it's all, it's all lined up and happening. Um, but thank you so much. Always remember, guys, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains, and don't take shit from anyone, and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke!